Welcome back to another episode of The Silent Battle. I hope everyone is having a great week so far. Again, I am your host, Erica Honeycutt, and today I will be interviewing behavioral health counselor, Danielle Drew. Today's segment is very important and much needed for people who are chronically ill because we oftentimes are so focused on our physical health and we tend to forget the importance of our mental health, which is not good because our mental health is just as important as our physical health. Also, sometimes people tend to be ashamed if they are facing challenges with their mental health. I will be the first one to tell you there is nothing to be ashamed about if anyone is out there having a hard time mentally. I promised you all from the beginning, I would be raw and candid, and so I have no problem telling you all that I see a therapist and even take medicine for anxiety. Guys, facing an illness like we have, it's hard. And I'm so thankful for counselors like Danielle and other mental health professionals out there who specialize in this field of mental health to help people keep their state of mind healthy. So let's get started. Welcome, Danielle, and thank you for being part of the Silent Battle podcast today. Hello, thank you for having me. Danielle, can you explain the importance of maintaining your mental health, especially when you're facing an illness like autoimmune disease? So I think one thing that people kind of forget is that mental health is health. Just like any other organ in your body, you see a doctor for it. There's no shame in seeing a doctor for things going on in your brain, which is also an organ, making it just as physical as anything else. So, um, for example, when you see a mental health counselor to maintain your mental health, um, it's a judgment-free zone. Oftentimes, we don't actually have a lot of people in our lives who are there to just listen. Right. Um, like, even, you know, when I'm talking to my husband, he's listening, and uh, I joke with him and say, like, he just wants to fix it. Right. Well, a counselor's job is not necessarily to fix it, but to listen to you, validate you, and help guide you in the right direction. Right. And, you know, what are the benefits of seeing a counselor or a mental health professional to maintain your mental health? Um, so, you know, like I was saying, you can explore your thoughts feelings and worries without judgment. Um, Within that, you develop coping strategies for different situations. Um, You get a lot of self-reflection, self-awareness. You can work on habits you you would like to change. Um, I know a huge thing I do with my clients is help them improve and understand how Mm -hmm. they communicate with others and to themselves. Like, you know, negative self-talk is very common. Right. Um, You can get greater self-acceptance and self-acceptance self-esteem overall just increased confidence in yourself and decision making I mean the the benefits go on and on but ultimately I think you gain that self-awareness and the ability to be able to heal some of the things inside of you that are hurting you mentally I really like what you said about um, the judgment-free zone because I like having that neutral person where you know it's not someone who is a family member or a friend but it's it's just that neutral person that you can go to and 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 really um you know talk to you know 
Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's the one space and where I think it's healthy to have a one-sided conversation. <laughs> uh, um, you know, when you're talking to your friend, you feel like you have to be like, okay, well, that's enough about me. What about you? Right. With a counselor, it's literally all about you and you don't have to feel selfish for it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. Um, can you give us a rundown on what a typical counseling session is like for those that have never ever been to counseling yeah of course so one thing I would say is that every counselor is different but the main goal of counseling in general that we learn as therapists in school um, just learning you know how to be with people is that the, the biggest like trying to think of the correct word <laughs> Um, but the biggest way to change is what we call the therapeutic alliance. And so essentially it starts with the relationship with your counselor. Mm -hmm. If you don't trust the person you're talking to about your concerns, it's not likely that you're going to feel comfort and change. So right. It really I, wouldn't be beneficial without that trust. Right. Yes. So, you know, a first session is going to feel very sterile, I always say, because um, it's an intake session. So we're trying to get all the information that we may need to help you and know where to go with the therapy. Mm -hmm. But after that session, I say it becomes, for me with my clients personally, it becomes more of a conversation. Right. Like the first thing I say to my clients is, hey, how are you? How was your week? Um, because that's important to me is what is happening in the here and now. Let's talk about that. If everything's going good, then maybe we'll get into your past trauma or other things you want to talk about but it's essentially a conversation of what do you need from me today? Do you, does it cost to go to counseling? So it does, um, and it's different based on um, insurance. So some insurances have what we call co-pays, some have co-insurance, different things like that. But I know where I work and other places, mm -hmm. say your insurance has a very high co-pay and maybe that's not something you can afford or that you don't have insurance at all, a lot of places offer what is called a sliding scale, and that is based on your income. So, you know, your cost for counseling, even if a session is $150, could be as low as $25 per session. That's great. That's wonderful, you know, out there, because, you know, a lot of folks, um, you know, in my situation, you know, might be disabled and, you know, their income is not as you know, high or substantial as someone that's actually working. So, you know, it, it's nice to know that there's options out there for, you know, some, you know, people that, you know, aren't financially as well as others, you know? Yeah, definitely. And there are some places that you can go that we call more community mental health versus mm -hmm. private practice. So, for example, like Centerstone or Mental Health Co-op, they serve on grants from other agencies and so they can even see people for free based on financial need which we call pro bono services so I never want to discourage anyone from trying based on cost because the goal is to never deny anybody services that's great um, I know that my doctors have told me that stress and anxiety make my disease NSIP worse how does stress and anxiety affect a person's mental health how and and also too um this is kind of a two-part question how can counseling help a person cope with stress and anxiety 
so the first thing I like to tell people is that, you know, anxiety is healthy to an extent. So the right amount of anxiety can help us perform and stimulate actions and creativity. It can stop us from doing scary things that might hurt us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then there's another side to anxiety, which is when it's persist when it's persistent and it causes a real emotional distress and can make us feel unwell. And we can, at that point, even develop panic attacks, phobias, and emotional and obsessive behaviors. Um, so the more stress you have, the more... So essentially, I always say, if you're not feeling mentally well, it's very hard to feel physically well. Because your physical and your mental health do go so hand in hand. Exactly. So the more stressed you are, the less likely you're going to be able to focus on your physical health. Because you're overwhelmed with the stress and anxiety that you're feeling exactly and it's fair to say that you know it's comorbid if you have a physical ailment or disease illness anything um, you know that's hard and that is totally valid to say that that itself can be stressful having multiple appointments different things you have to do and cope with that can cause stress and anxiety so they do go hand in hand I I know that you know when I feel stressed or or anxious it actually it causes my disease to feel like, you know, it causes me to have flare-ups with my disease. So, I mean, you're exactly right. They do, you know, they go, you know, they, they, you know, like you said, they work, they're, they work together. Like if you're, your physical, if your physical and mental health are not, you know, if a word I can't find the words I'm trying to say, but if they're not, right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, clinical language is hard. I'm even trying to think, like, what's the, the word? <laughs> yes. sounding like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, an easy example is I worried myself sick. Like, I was so anxious that I was sick to my stomach. Those chemicals in your brain literally sent down waves to your stomach that said, oh, we don't feel good. So, if it can happen as something as maybe we say simple as that can only imagine in an actual disease or illness that you have going on that it actually does to you. feeling well mentally it's going to be very hard to feel well physically exactly um can you tell us the difference between a counselor a psychologist and a psychiatrist because i know those are um three different professionals into in the mental health field so um can you explain those for me? Yeah, I can. And I realize I didn't really talk about coping, but I can do that in this question as well. I would love for you so, to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so the difference between a counselor, psychologist, and a psychiatrist essentially comes from the degree and specialization. So a counselor has a master's degree in some form of counseling, which means that they can do talk therapy. So they can have you sit down for a session, they can give you guidance, help you through everyday life. But what they cannot do is give assessments, um, which we call like psychological assessments, mm-hmm. for like autism or ADHD, essentially the big tests. We can do simple assessments for like depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. but there's bigger tests out there that psychologists can do. And they have a, like a PhD or some kind of doctorate. Mm-hmm. So they're a doctor, but not in the medical sense. So neither the counselor or the psychologist can prescribe medication. A psychiatrist, however, is actually an MD. So they go to oh, wow. medical school just like any other doctor 
but mm-hmm. instead of specializing in surgery, pediatrics, whatever, they specialize in psychiatry and or mental health. So they can prescribe medication. So oftentimes people will see a counselor, a psychologist, and a psychiatrist all at the same time. They might see their psychiatrist once a month for med management. They may see a psychologist to get testing done. And they might see their counselor every week for talk therapy. Um, So with that, all of those things can help you to cope because your counselor can help you with everyday life coping. Like I told you, like I said, I asked my clients, how's it going? What's going on? How can we help you through this week? What are some things we can place in your life, such as self-care or just replacing negative self-talk and other things like that that would help us to cope? Right. Psychologists can do that as well. Some psychologists practice as counselors. They just have the doctorate behind it. And then they can, you know, help you maybe find the correct diagnosis in terms of, okay, well, it's not just mood disorder. It's something bigger. Um, and let's test for it because we don't want to diagnose anybody wrong. And then a psychiatrist would give you your medication. And just like with physical health, I tell people there's nothing wrong with taking medication. We don't question taking medication for high blood pressure. So why do we question taking medication for our mental health? Because if you look at it as you're medicating an organ in your body, your brain, right? any other physical ailment that we need medication for, um, that helps my clients really take away the stereotype and normalize it. I, you know, I... I completely agree with you um about that because it took me a while you know I as I mentioned to you I take medicine uh for my anxiety um it's called Lexapro and for a long time I just kind of dealt with the anxiety but it wasn't by but really even though I say I dealt with it I really wasn't dealing with it and it was just making me feel not only worse mentally but physically and I think I was just so embarrassed by the yeah. fact that um I was going through that and I didn't want to I guess have that stereotype of or that stigma of, of, of oh she she's something you know some, something's wrong with her she's crazy because she needs you know medicine for her anxiety you know what I mean and so uh, and so it took me a while to to um, to really um, get 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 medicine for that and I, I wish I hadn't have begin to think like that because you're not crazy and you know uh, you don't you know you shouldn't let those stereotypes and stigmas um, stop you from getting the the help that you need because like you said you know you take medicine if you know if you had a cold like you know so what's the difference um you know it's 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 an illness just like anything else that you you get sick with you know so you know definitely go ahead i always i always bring it back to the physical for my clients exactly like you said it because all mental illnesses we, we think of it as like this floating thing floating cloud around our head yes like it's something beyond us it's not beyond us most i'm I'm not going to speak to all and i'm not a psychiatrist or a doctor to speak to medication so i'll try to stay in my lane but what i do know 
is that most mental illness is simply a chemical imbalance in the brain. So if you, just like any other illness, that something is imbalanced, you take medicine to balance it back out. And that's all we're doing when we have mental illness is we're balancing back out those chemicals. But you said there's a stigma on it for some reason. Yeah. Like as if it's this thing that's not real. Like it is real. A chemical imbalance in our brain is just as physical as our heart beating irregularly or just anything else that we take medicine for. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And also I was wanting you to touch on, um, you know, the confidentiality of going to counseling. Yeah, definitely. So the first thing I tell my clients and every counselor should (laughs) in the intake is that everything you say in this room stays between me and you. There are some things in which, you know, for subpoena to court, which even then the chances of that is I'm going to be on your side. I'm not going to say anything that just, that would harm you. I have been to court. I have been there on my client side have only spoke to things that I felt would help my client. I kept it as confidential as possible. Um, if you're abusing an elder or a child or just any type of abuse or harm being given, then obviously we need to report that. Right. As well as if you're going to harm yourself and somebody else because safety is our main concern. Exactly. But if you come in and tell me, um, my husband is driving me crazy today. I'm not going to call up your husband and be like, what are you doing to her? (laughs) (laughs) That stays between me and you. Nobody can have your records, have access to your records, unless you have signed off on the request, which we call a release of information. So maybe you do want your husband to be able to access your records. Well, he cannot call up to the office and say, tell me what my wife's diagnosis is. Um, Sir, is there a release of information on file? (laughs) Also, we have no idea who this woman is. She does not go here. (laughs) You know? Right. Um, there's, there's clinical language around that, but it, it is very confidential. It, um, you know, I explain it in layman's terms, like it, it's secretive. No one has to know you're here. It is no one's business, but mine and yours. Um, I tell clients, if you see me in public, it is fully up to you. We cannot know each other. I can be your brother's cousin, uh, your husband's <laughs> brother's cousin, you know, I can be your old teacher whatever you want or I can just be some person that you just don't even notice I leave that up to my clients I have lots of clients who are like oh this is my counselor she's great and I'm like oh okay we're telling people I love that because <laughs> I don't want the stereotype other people have just acted like they didn't know me and that is totally fine with me too because it's up to them that's awesome Danielle Danielle do you have any Thing else that you want to add today uh, to today's segment for our listeners? Yeah, I do just want to say thank you for having me, and I hope that this has helped to take the stereotype off of mental health because I think that generations of people in their 20s and below, I'm not sure, I guess the millennials, <laughs> you'll say, um, they love it. They love that they're in counseling. My teen clients will send me. TikTok's the big thing right now. Videos of like um, counseling and they're like, oh, this reminds me of you or I tell everyone I go to counseling and I love that because it takes the stereotype off of it. It's like a fad to go to counseling and I want that to be a thing because no one should feel ashamed to get help. I'm a counselor Absolutely. and I, and I see a counselor. Like I practice what I preach. <laughs> 
um, especially when you have physical illness going on, because it is totally valid to just, it's hard, you know? It is. It really is. And, um, you know, I just love, you know, everything that you said today, um, your approach about it. Um, I mean, listeners, you all out there, I mean, based on what she said, I mean, it's a very... You should feel comfortable going if it going to counseling if you need to go. Um, you know, it, it's it's nothing like she, I, you know. I just want to reiterate again, nothing to be ashamed about. And you know, you just you if you need to go, go. Um, you know, you you'll you'll thank me and Danielle. <laughs> yeah, I'll add one last thing. A lot of people say, "Where do I start?" Um, my biggest suggestion is get on psychologytoday.com and you can look up counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists in your area and then read their profile, read about them, see what insurances they accept, what their cost is. You can message them, get a consultation and sometimes that takes some of the fear out of it because you're not going in having zero idea who this person you're going to talk to is. You have a picture, you have a voice, whatever it was that you needed. You can message multiple people. I tell everyone that's where you should start. Well, listen, Danielle, I appreciate you so much for coming on here today with me and allowing me to interview you. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I know this interview, it really helped and educated a lot of listeners out there. Um, Well, thank you again for having me. I loved getting to do this and spread the word. I sure will. And remember, if you out there have any questions or comments, please email me at thesilentbattle2022 at gmail.com. Again, that's thesilentbattle2022 at gmail.com. And always remember, life is tough, but so are you. Everyone have a great rest of the day. Thank you.